Hey, this is Captain Logan from the Keel Hall Podcast, and you're listening to the Download Weekly Gaming News. Robots Radio presents... Rated M for Mature. Hey everybody, welcome back to the chat room, and this week we are welcoming back our first returning host, the Pirate King, Captain Logan. Welcome back, man. Good to have you back on. Thanks, I appreciate it. Good to be back. So we have been uh, we have been chatting a lot lately on uh, Twitter and whatnot regarding just ongoing news, and we had a nice little conversation before we before we started here. So we've got all sorts of things we can talk about, but uh, today I think we want to uh, I think we want to start by uh, talking Epic and Apple. Jeez, Epic <laughs> and Apple. Wow. So we've been following this yeah. story. We've been following the story for a couple weeks. Uh, Google's joined Apple's side uh, this past week. Microsoft has joined Epic's side. And Apple has kind of responded to Epic's legal complaint. And we had a judge-issued ruling on Monday. So there's there's a lot going on right now. But uh, I want to hear your thoughts because you're, you're, Brennan and I tend to have the same views on this. But you're a, you're a third party, so I want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting landscape that we're in right now with with Epic and Apple. And I, I listened to the episode, and you guys were were very adamant that um, Epic is in in the wrong for doing this, uh, and that they should really just take their ball and go go home. Would that be a good a fair summary, or, or would you would you like to that correct would, me on that? No. No, that's that's a pretty fair, pretty fair summary. I, uh, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to kind of bring a, a my perspective on it because I I don't have any any I I have a little bit of animosity towards both companies mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons, but nothing that that really I can pinpoint and be like you know I I'm done with both of these companies. I'm still going to support both because one of them has a ton of my money in the form of movies and the other one has a ton of my money in the way of free games which I don't know how that really equates but I value it so I want to keep it um, but when I look at the the what happened it's, it's a really interesting power play by Epic and I want to kind of state that I think neither company here are in the clear. I think both are in the wrong, but I Mm -hmm. think what they're in the wrong for are things that, that should be brought up. And that's kind of why I like the, the fact that this is being brought into the legal spectrum, but I don't necessarily agree with the public facing side of it outside of it, bringing up a discussion that should be should be brought to the attention of gamers because it it will impact them in a small way but Mm -hmm. not not in the way that i think epic wants to do so um in in one instance i look at epic um trying to renegotiate the terms of their contract with apple by stating that they don't want Apple to be able to have a full 30% cut of the sales made from Fortnite. I can understand that. 
from a, a capitalist side, they want to make as much money as they can because that's the whole point of them making games is they want to make money and make games doing it. Yep. From Apple's perspective, I see the same thing. It's their platform. It's their service. They're offering uh, it to anyone as long as they agree to the terms of service. They make the rules for the terms of service and they're kind of they set the precedent for how it should be done for digital domain. Mm-hmm. The the problem that I run into is that the the way that they set it up was a very, very revolutionary way back in like 2007 yes. when we were buying games and buying uh, software much differently than how we were. We, we were still buying records. We were still buying DVDs. We were still going out and buying a boxed copy of Microsoft office off a shelf in a, in a store. Yep. And that cost companies a ton of money. And you linked me a, a, a great uh, video back to Steve jobs um, kind of discussion on the, the introduction of the app store for uh, the iPhone and the iPod. And there was a, a really, really great commenter in there that basically stated, like, kind of broke down what it used to be like. And, and I remember what it was like. But nowadays, we are predominantly, I mean, just to kind of take gaming as, as the topic of discussion, uh, I believe PS4 um, received 50% of their last quarter sales as digital downloads on their PSN store. So everything yep. they made this last quarter, 50% of that was just digital. So Sony made 30% off of anything that was was published or anything that was distributed through their store off of that. And that's that's a lot of money that doesn't require the advertising or the shelf space or the distribution of that. Like they just have to make sure that it's available through their system. And they they keep that stuff like on their servers with their their stores and whatnot. So I understand they want some of that money, but I like the idea of Epic picking a fight to try and earn more money because if it changes the current standard so that even if it opens the discussion so that maybe there's a different tiered system so that higher companies that earn more at a certain bracket they get to um to pay more you know they they earn more they pay more the smaller tiered companies the the independents who can't afford to justify giving 30 percent especially if they aren't getting the marketing promotion that was so so um kind of revile or not reviled uh so kind of promised with the steve jobs video where he said you know you don't have to worry about the marketing we'll take care of the marketing and the distribution it's like okay but when in in 2020 when was the last time you natively discovered a really awesome app on the iphone without having to search that exact app yeah and i i question they they basically built the market they didn't they didn't really take a look at the market and they didn't uh they said anyone was welcome and it was like cool anyone's welcome and then everyone quickly figured out how to game the system and because apple didn't take any handle on how games were priced they left that up to the to the distributors to the publishers and the developers then everything quickly raced to free to play to the point where if nintendo 
jumps into the market of all the video game man, you know, producers out there, Nintendo should be the ones that could succeed in this in this instance. And be like, they've got the most iconic IP out there. And they started off with Mario Run. Mario Run was a ten dollar game, and it got destroyed in the reviews because nobody wanted to pay ten dollars for a game outside of the few levels that they got for free. They would have much rather have played the game free to play and then bought stuff in the game. So I look at the market and I'm like, okay, well, the market doesn't bear an upfront cost. The market only bears microtransactions. And it's it's testament to, to Nintendo making millions and millions of dollars through Fire Emblem or, or Dragalia Lost, things like that. And if if micro or excuse me, if Apple is still pulling 30% off of every single microtransaction and they're not looking to the market and being like, you know, this is kind of our fault that this is the way it is, but we're not going to fix it because it's making us millions of dollars and we're going to develop a curated service that we will charge a premium for. That will basically say, like, these are apps that don't have microtransactions in them, that are better experiences, and we're going to curate the experiences for you for $15 a month. Then it's it to me, what it feels like is I'm going out to a B&B, I get in the room, I pull up the, co- the covers of the bed, and I see a whole bunch of bed bugs and stains. And then I walk over to the owner of the home, and I say, hey can I pay you $15 to put a sheet over everything that's on that bed? And they're like, sure. Yeah. I'll take 15 bucks and put a brand new sheet on top of the bed bugs and stains. And you sleep in that bed. Mm-hmm. And then they take, and you know, they take 30% off of, you know, they take the bacon out of your breakfast when you, when you wake up yeah. and you're just left with the pancakes. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. You guys made the market. You let the market go to hell. And now you're charging a service on top of, the 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 games cost itself or on top of like making people order the games and i'm like this is this is not how you do things this is not how you treat your customers so when i look at apple and what they're doing i'm like no 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 no. they're not doing a good thing here they're screwing over everyone they're making back back alley deals with publishers to be featured on apple arcade so that people can pay money to get out of the hellstorm that they created. So from Apple's perspective, I'm like, no, that's not cool. I really don't like what you guys are doing. But then I look at Epic and I'm like, look, you guys tried to make a back-end deal supposedly to get a better cut of the, the percentage of money that gets made through Fortnite. That didn't work. You set up a campaign and a lawsuit to be able to fight against Apple to play the underdog in a billion-dollar company bout. And you're trying to weaponize your audience. And I think that's really shitty because the people that lose out on that are the customers. Because when the new season goes live and it's all Marvel decked out and people want to play the game on mobile, they're not going to be able to update their game to get that stuff. And they're going to be stuck not being able to play their game because you did the thing that you knew was going to get you kicked out of the store in an attempt to make this a public bout when you should have just kept the game in the store, took it to legal, and informed people why you were making the decision and how it would benefit them, and then let us make the decision whether or not we want to support it or not, instead of forcing our hand. So that's kind of where I'm at with the situation. I don't think either company is doing the right thing, and because of that, it's I just want there to be a nice resolution that benefits 
gamers and developers who are trying to earn more or save more in a store that doesn't allow you to sideload games? Well, a lot of you made a lot of great points. That was a lot to unpack, but I loved it. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate you letting me get through it all, too. <laughs> I know that was well, a lot. No, it, it, it was great. It was great. I almost I kept looking. I was like, oh, man, maybe I should I need to type down some notes so I can remember like little things I want to say. I wish I had like a little pen pad. But uh, no, <laughs> you made you made a ton of great points. Um, and so I'm going to kind of try and tackle the ones as I kind of remember them. So okay. firstly, you're totally right. Uh, digital sales are absolutely out of control now. Uh, whether it's just the physical game itself or just uh, other other transactions. I think Xbox said something that like over 65% of their revenue came from uh, in-console or in-game purchases, whether it was like DLC, uh, in-game currency, you know, all that stuff accounted for like over 65% of their revenue. So there's that's where like all these companies, that's where their money's coming from. It's not coming from the game sales or from the hardware or whatever else. It's coming from the extras that they tack in because a lot of those are pretty much just pure profit because they're items that have no value and have, uh, except to the player, and have very minimal uh, cost to create behind them. Sometimes none if it's just, you know, in-game currency. So... And, you know, I love that uh, I'm, you know, Steve Jobs, however, you know, a lot of people had his difference with him, but he is truly a, a visionary. And when you're 100% right, when Apple was created back in 2007, completely different landscape. I mean, I remember getting the iPhone 3GS. It was my second, second cell phone that I personally owned uh, ever. I had the Razor before that. So... Uh, getting the iPhone 3GS, you know, there was maybe all of 30, 40 apps, you know, on the entire store, but nothing. And, but now we have a store with, you know, 10, it's, it's probably fair to say millions of apps, maybe over 10 million apps. And they're all kind of vying for attention and control. But Apple's kind of moved away from, from that. And they're more focused on, you know, the hardware and the OSs, not so much, you know, the iTunes or the App Store, which have been super neglected, uh, which is actually a huge issue. You know, if you own a MacBook, try, you know, you can get a lot of great software through the App Store on a MacBook, but it's so neglected that it's just almost a waste of time. So Apple 100%. And I've been kind of saying this ever since, uh, you know, it came out about xCloud and NVIDIA now and Google Stadia kind of all failing to go through iOS. Uh, I totally agree. Apple needs to update. They are behind the ball on this. You know, it's just streaming is the world we live in now. And, you know, back in 2007, that didn't exist. So they definitely need to update all their rules and restrictions. And I don't, I think the Apple Arcade was a waste of their time, personally. Uh, you know, people, the games people are playing on their phone are not really what Apple, what Apple Arcade offers. And I get kind of what they're going with it, but, and to say that like xCloud is direct competition 
with Apple Arcade is kind of a joke, in my opinion, because uh, to me, in my mind, there's no competition. Apple Arcade is nothing compared to what other companies are offering. And I don't even know what their subscriptions are like on that personally. So I definitely think, and I've been saying it the whole time, Apple does need to update their rules 100%. They, they need to get get going and this should be a huge wake-up call for them because we and we mentioned this on a previous episode you know that's estimated that there's you know in some capacity there's over three billion gamers in the world and you know two-thirds of those are 100 mobile gamers it's a huge market especially in asia china japan korea they live and breathe mobile games in addition to playing console and PC. So it's, and when your cell phone and your operating system account for, you know, over 50% of the smartphone market, you need to, you need to update, you need to get, you know, give people what they want. And it's, and it's just good business in general, like Apple can find a way to, you know, get their cut of these streaming pro these streaming games. So it's not like they would hurt from doing this. Um, so that's my thoughts on Apple. When it comes to Epic, I uh, I've kind of I've kind of had to clarify this. Epic Games themselves is a good company. They've done good things. They used to make uh, Gears of War for a while. You know, they do Unreal Engine. Uh, you know, even Fortnite had its moment. I don't like Fortnite purposely, but I recognize that it was a, a decent game. But Tim Sweeney is a wild card that is going to, in my personal opinion, sink that ship. They have a lot of money, thanks to Fortnite, and they are now trying to make moves with that money, and I feel like they're making all the wrong moves. I get wanting to make your store, you know, something, but trying to but but by taking away games from pc players to build your store wrong way to do it especially when your store doesn't have the infrastructure like gog or steam already has you need to you need to start at the beginning and work your way up but in this specific case of what we're talking about um I, I think they're still in the wrong that, you know, it was premeditated. They had the lawsuit ready. They knew that what this was going to lead to. And, you know, by offering a free app that they basically don't have to do anything to support. Um, and, you know, Mike and, you know, for Apple just to take a cut of, you know, their in-game transactions, which they make, you know, absolutely a killing on. I think 2019 was something over $3 billion they made, and most of that came from mobile. So, you know, they're making the money. So, you know, Apple taking a cut for kind of handling their, like being the middleman is not unreasonable, in my opinion. But when Apple is like you said, neglecting their their platform and their users, they def you know I can see why we need to start the discussion. And I totally agree. But in this case, Epic is is in the wrong, uh, in my opinion. And so far, the court system is agreeing. So you know we had some emails come out last week saying you know basically showing Tim Sweeney emailing 
the heads of Xbox like, hey, you know, can we make can we make a deal? Can we come to some sort of arrangement? And then, you know, follow up emails after that not panning out, basically saying, you know, hey, we're going to pull it. And then the day of they even sent another email saying we're instituting it. So Apple is, you know, sticking to their guns They're in this specific narrow case. They are not in the wrong. And that's what the courts are looking at. They're like, hey, you know, this is premeditated. You're you're going to have to follow Apple's rules if you want to get back on their store. But, you know, Apple revoking your developer rights is a step too far. So I think it's going to continue to play out that way. I think Epic will eventually come back to the table because, you know, like you said, they got a huge uh, update dropping in two days on the 28th. And when, you know, all that revenue they're going to lose out, I expect them to re, you know, rewind on that day because there's no way they're going to lose out on all that revenue. Yeah, it's it's an interesting landscape. I do want to touch on a couple things that you that you talked on uh, just as far as um, Epic's Epic side of it. Uh, you you mentioned that. Uh, you, you how uh, Epic tends to to buy exclusives um, to try and build up their store. Yeah. Uh, I I think that is a that is a necessary evil if you want to draw attention to your store. Um, I don't honestly see a problem with that in a free market because if it wasn't Epic, it could have been anyone else. And the the problem that I run into when it comes to exclusives is less about. Uh, buying uh, a time-limited exclusive or an exclusive just th through and through, like you say you, you want that game, you buy that studio, you get that exclusive. Yeah. Uh, it's when a game is available for multiple consoles or multiple platforms, but you are locking content through an exclusive means through uh, a, a back-end deal. So say they they, they picked up, um, what was it, Borderlands 3, and they had a, a I think it was a six-month exclusive deal yeah. to have it just on Epic's uh, game store when it launched in September of last year. Mm -hmm. That... I can understand because they were drawing they were trying to drive a, a, a big game to their platform on PC. I can understand that. They they dropped the money, they supported the the studio and the studio accepted it knowing that it might cost them uh, some some kind of goodwill from the community. Um, that's up to the to the publishers and the developers to work out with the the distribution uh, for yeah. that. And and I'm okay with that. It's when you look at situations like uh, Avengers and Sony paying a certain amount of money to have exclusive rights to a character like Spider Man to just be on playstations where i'm like okay that that's gating content and and hard locking uh narrative uh elements to to just the playstation and that hurts the game's development if this is going to be a games as a service because it, it forces a segment of the population two-thirds of the population to miss out on that character and you can't really really build anything awesome up with spider-man because he's going to be locked to a third of the population. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things where I just kind of wanted to say like with, with them taking exclusives, I'm, I'm less, 
Uh, I'm more forgiving of something like that, even though I don't necessarily like exclusives. Um, but then again, I, I come from a situation where I've got every console available. So it's, it's less of an impact on me, but I can totally understand not being able to play fall guys right now and wishing it came to switch or Xbox and being like, that's probably where I'd want to play it because that's where most of my friends are playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good points. Good points. Uh, the whole Sony Spider-Man thing has been a, has been an issue for, for a number of years because somehow Sony managed to buy to own the rights for Spider-Man uh, way back in the day. And they just haven't let go, even though they own nothing else related to Marvel. So this issue is played, you know, it's it's played out in the movies. You know, they, they, had, they don't they own the movie rights. They don't own the game rights to Spider-Man. Oh, I don't well, if it back in 2000. Was it I think it was last year. I think it was 2019. Marvel Alliance was released for Switch and had Spider-Man in it. And that was a that was a Switch exclusive. Oh, interesting. OK, see, so, I, I was under the impression that they owned uh, owned the rights to Spider-Man. That is the power of their marketing. Mm. Uh, no, Marvel Marvel owns the rights to Spider-Man in uh, they give license to Sony to make the movies in the same way that Star Wars gives the rights uh, in license to EA to publish um, Star Wars games like EA doesn't own Star Wars. They could lose that at any yeah. time. It's up to Star Wars or Disney to, to, to make that decision. Same thing with Marvel. Marvel could revoke the the deal or, or not renew the deal for Sony if if they stopped making movies or if they saw what was going on with the game and wanted to change it up. So it, it's up to Marvel to make that decision. But from a publishing standpoint, if uh, they can come to terms with Marvel and with Crystal Dynamics, then Sony can purchase exclusive rights to have Spider-Man in the PlayStation version of the Avengers game. But that is that is not under lock and key. That is just a deal that they made. Gotcha. So I, I just did a quick Google. Uh, and yes, so they own. So bef way back when Marvel like in the 90s marvel licensed the rights to spider-man to sony so sony basically mm -hmm. has the exclusive rights to spider-man like almost period film in most forms uh yeah. for a couple decades and so yeah so it's it's a bit of everything they shouldn't be they shouldn't be gating spider-man in on this i think that's a terrible decision uh, and it's all, you know, and then they're, you know, they're even flexing it with the movies. I wholeheartedly agree. Locking additional content or even just m normal gameplay content to one platform for a certain period of time is a terrible, terrible decision. I hate when companies do that. I mean, Sony even did that with uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. They had the exclusive one year rights to the uh survival mode within spec ops and it's, so it's yeah. only available on playstation for one year well you know call of duty comes out there's a new one every year so by the time you know we get to october when the rights for that to come off 
you know, everyone's moved on to the next game. So I hate shit like that. Drives me yeah. nuts. Um, I won't go into Borderlands because 2K is is a scummy publisher and they're known for making all sorts of back-end deals uh, and just abusing developers. So that doesn't phase me. Uh, but what drives me, again, I'm against exclusives. You know, games should be available on all platforms at this point. You know, this isn't, you know, 10 years ago. You know, we're in 2020 now where we have cross-play. It should just be all platforms, you'd make so much more money. Um, but what dro- what upsets me about Epic is that they do these backroom deals, but they pretend that it's under the guise of helping developers by offering this 12% cut, uh, by, you know, um, giving them cash up front, and then you know, then they get, you know, money on top of their, uh, once they start making sales after they reach a certain point, you know, that's great, but you know, I can, I can get a Sony exclusive, you know, a game like, uh, last of us, you know, their naughty dog is partnered with Sony. I totally understand why that would be a PlayStation only title. I don't think it should, but I understand it. But when you have a game that's available everywhere, but then PC is this diverse platform with so many options to play, but then you limit it to one specific launcher on PC, that upsets me, especially because Epic's launcher is living back in 2007. You know, it's just now getting features that you know, Xbox, Sony, and Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam have had for years. Like, they're still just in implementing cloud saving. We've been doing cloud saving since Xbox 360, since PlayStation 3. And they're just now kind of getting into it in 2020. Granted, I get that they're a newer store, but if you want to be competitive, you need to at least offer the basics that other people offer. And that's what really bothers me. And then on top of that, it's the obvious backroom deals. You know, how many games have we had where we're within, you know, a couple months of release, you can already pre-order it on Steam. And then you find out, lo and behold, that your pre-order is being transferred to Epic because at the finish line, they made a deal. That stuff drives me nuts. And, you know, I get it's just it's all about money at the end of the day and that's what upsets me and I don't blame it on Epic I blame it on Tim Sweeney because he's out there you know preaching that he is basically the the savior of gaming and he's doing the exact opposite of what he's preaching so I'll I'll I and and I'm I'm not trying to convince you I just want to put the the counterpoints out there and and I'm totally okay if we if we never agree to this but uh <laughs> I I do want to say that um making deals with companies to offer them a lower uh, or a, a higher percentage of of you know gross revenue off of their game that is a, a tactic that is is very very common in oh, yeah. in companies you know oh, i yeah. mean how many times have you signed up for a cell phone plan because you get a free phone with it yeah. uh, that's a subsidized thing that that they that they give you they keep you in the system by by offering you a free phone every 2 years with the contract kind of thing so that kind of stuff happens a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I think I the rub that it's just it's just business. 
Yeah, I, I think the rub of it is when you look at the landscape of what we're talking about, which is PC marketplaces. Um, when you look at a fledgling Epic game store platform, you're like, okay, well, I'm fine with Steam. Steam has taken the time and the years and has had to build up the trust and the features to get to the point where it is now, even though it's not perfect it still has a lot of the features that i've come to expect so when a new marketplace comes in and it doesn't have all of that it looks like they're they're dropping the ball on that when really it's it's an agile development process they have to start test implement test uh, uh, readjust and then kind of slowly <clears throat> build up things as they're going if they spent all their time trying to perfect this system right out the gate, they may never launch. And that's that's a hard thing to do, whereas they can make deals to draw attention to it. That And then, and then once they get people kind of slowly moving into that ecosystem with deals and giving developers a reason to want to be on there, then it's going to slowly give them justification to start ramping up the, the features for the actual platform. And I'll take Stadia as, an, as a good point here because no one, I, I know very few people that are into the Google Stadia platform yeah. because as, as interesting and as proactive and, and progressive of a, of a platform as it is, no one wants to buy their games again for uh, a non-discounted Steam cost, uh, just to be able to play them um, over over streaming, especially when they aren't getting the mobile support that they might have anticipated to get go. So Not the only the way that support, they're barely getting like the basic you know quality supports. Like Google hasn't even managed to like give that consistent quality yet on their devices. Yeah, but in that and that part of that is the landscape, you know, part of I keep saying landscape tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, part of that is just a, a, a technology thing where we're still looking at um, 4G versus 4G LTE versus 5G and where yeah. it's available. So you're going to run into inconsistencies when streaming or regardless of where you, what what type of content you're streaming. But the, the main problem that they have is that they're offering games that people already have or most people already have. And the, the people that are going to buy into Stadia are enthusiasts of the streaming uh, platform, of people that are cutting edge, that are looking to get rid of physical stuff and they just want to have their digital stuff and they aren't going after the AAA stuff that they should because most of that's already bought up by other companies or are not going to develop for Stadia because there's no player base. So yeah. why why put development cost into stuff like that? So when I look at uh, when I look at Epic, I'm like, you know what? The biggest problem that Epic has right now is that they didn't start when Steam did. And they are fighting against incumbents. And in a PC world where you can install anything from anywhere, it's really hard to justify why you should download another launcher. Yeah. And I think I think that's where I find the biggest trouble with Epic and what they're doing. And that's why I'm okay with them giving me free games because it's one more button click. It's a different button click from Steam or Epic. It just depends on if I can actually remember where the hell I even have these games at. Yeah. Um, I'm not 
I don't think I don't dispute that there shouldn't be competition. There shouldn't be options. I mean, you know, there's Origin, there's GOG. You know, there's plenty of other launchers out there. You know, so mm. having Epic out there doesn't bother me. But uh, what what irks me, and I guess I, I needed to word it a little bit better, is in my mind, and I do business and stuff. In my mind, if I'm going to, if I'm Epic Games. And I'm sitting here as like, hey, we want to get our launcher, get our store going. We've got Fortnite, we've got an audience, but we've only got like a handful of titles that are already kind of elsewhere on here. And we want to make ourselves a place where gamers come to play. And we can obviously get a cut of that, do business, make more money. So the way I would have done it is I would have said, all right, this is what Steam has. This is what we have so far. And I would have kind of used that as my benchmark. And I would have mm -hmm. said, okay, we can start making deals now. We can go out and we could get Borderlands 3. We can go out and we could get, you know, other AAA titles, games that are uh, coming out in the future. And you want to, and I would secure them as early as possible. So then you can get them as long through their development process as possible because then that also helps with your testing your platform the free games best way to bring people to your platform keep doing that and that's a good way to stress test your your features by offering those free titles in the meantime working with people and then that allows you to bring obviously bring those games to your platform as well and people then can buy them after they go off free so that's what i would have done is i would have started with the free games started bringing people to your platform and testing your features with the free games before going out and poaching titles and pissing everybody off because you look at a lot of the AAA games that are epic exclusives and no one talks about their pc sales and if they do make it to steam steam sells you know double triple quadruple what Epic did in the year in a matter of days. So it, it's telling it's that's a clear indicator to me that their approach was wrong is when people are willing to hold out that long for something they want, you know, so like I would have done it differently. They should have, they should have started in reverse order because it seemed like it now the free games are like a way for them to build, rebuild the goodwill that they lost or if they even had it. So I would have gone that way because as of right now, their store is a joke. Like it's worse than, you know, I could build a web store on a website that has better quality than their store. Uh, they have no friends features other than that. You can kind of see people online and you can send them a message. I could do that back in, you know, the nineties with AIM. They have no community section. There's no support. There's no forums. There's no nothing. And Steam is now banning games that are on Epic because Epic has been, and those developers have been using Steam's forums because Epic has no forums. So that's something else that, you know, forums are easy. That's something else they should have had implemented when they started this process. And, you know, the cloud saving, I can... You know, that's a negligible thing because most people do tend not to save to the cloud because there's not a whole lot of space, uh, especially when it comes to video games. So that's kind of, 
you know, I would have tackled the basic features that the other uh, companies have before bringing in these big titles and expecting people to just come along because that's what you have because people are not going to do that. It to me it feels like they are like it to me it feels like I am a merchant sailing, you know, on a British vessel to America with my goods to sell and then a you know Spanish ship showed up and is trying to press game me into their crew and take uh the goods, you know, to a Spanish port. That's how I feel. So I think that was the wrong way for them to do it. And then when it comes to like the streaming of games, it's it's a market that needs to be tested. Uh, NVIDIA has had some success with it on PC, but you know, obviously I'm streaming games to a PC. It's a way different than streaming to mobile. But uh, again, I think Google Stadia kind of went about it the wrong way. Uh, you know, again, charging full price, you know, you can only play the games if you have a Stadia subscription and then, you know, they are myth they were missing like their entire backbone you know at launch and then you know it's not surprising that they've kind of buckled under that so that's kind of where i stand on all that in response to kind of what you said <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i feel like we could go on for for days about yeah. it too but it, and, in in essence you feel like that for the most part uh they kind of missed the mark with what they were shooting for and they're playing catch up and it's a little too late on on the offerings that they're making and now they're just trying to now they're just trying to do whatever they can to kind of pull people in even even though you you feel like there's still work to be done before you can they can really earn your your favor yeah and when you have when you have you know they're a large company they are not small by any means in terms of their development team so it's not and they have more than enough money to spend the time and the resources to fully develop their platform before they had started this whole process. Because uh, they were, like you said, they were always late to the game. So they might as well made a entrance properly rather than the way they did. And, you know, that's, in my opinion, that's also the great thing about gaming is that there is something out there for everybody. You don't have to agree with everybody because there's so many different ways to play games. There's so many different ways to play the game itself. And, you know, I like having discussions like this. I can see your viewpoint. I can understand your viewpoint. I don't agree necessarily with some of your thoughts, but at the end of the day, I can respect that and it doesn't affect me or how I play or whatever that. So that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough thing because at the end of the day, the way I look at it, it's two companies or multiple companies. Every game company is doing two things. They're trying to appeal to your your uh, feelings in, in creating games that you'll enjoy and experiences that they that they want to make. But they also have to earn a living off of it. So you've got an aspect that is trying to take your money as much as they can without making you feel gross about it, while also offering a really fun experience that kind of plays on on that that dopamine hit that you get when playing video games, you know, that experience yeah. that you get to have. So, yeah, it, it's I'm... a it, it's a relationship that you you have to decide all the time like where is it worth keeping this relationship or this friendship uh like in a healthy relationship as opposed to when when do you recognize when it's toxic and you just need to step away from it and and i think that's a, a very personal 
a very personal question that everyone should be asking. Yeah. And I totally understand like the business behind it. Like when, if I sit back and I look at just the business makes complete sense to me. But when you are in, you know, as a launcher, you are a service. And so you're, you know, in any business that is a service, your number one goal is customer satisfaction after making money. Cause every business's number one goal is to make money. If you're not making money, how can you be a business? So as a service, you know, customer satisfaction is number one. And that's where I think they, they miss the mark because if they had focused on the customer satisfaction, because they had the money, they had focused on that. I think Epic would have been a completely, completely different platform. So, yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, the nice thing is, is that they always have an opportunity to win your favor in the future uh, just based on, on what they learn as they're doing. I mean, I've been playing Sea of Thieves for two and a half years. There's tons of stuff that I want for that game that have not come. Yeah, but, we, we've touched on some of that before. Yeah, but I, but I, I trust that because they are listening to their their gamer base that some of what we say even though it's a large community everyone's got their own their own thoughts and opinions and stuff that some of that will bleed into what comes in the future and if and because epic is a as a marketplace it's a storefront for people and people are voicing their opinions about it I think that eventually they'll they will get to the point where they will have uh, features on on parity with other marketplaces, and then it will finally come down to who has exclusives, who has uh, uh, quicker support or better deals, and they can compete on on par with each other and let the let the market decide um, where they want their games. And, but if exactly. anything. I, I kind of miss the old days where it was like you bought a game and you installed it on your computer yep. and you you didn't have to think about, you know, is this game needing to be updated? And and, yep. and if that's the case, do I have to make sure that my launcher is open and has automatic uploads? And do I have to worry about my download cap for the month or do I spend an extra 50 bucks to, to pay for unlimited? So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Steam was really kind of the beginning of the games going digital, you know, when Steam first started. So and then, you know, obviously that's it's continued now and it's across all platforms. So, you know, I will go to Epic if they can get their act together together, because first and foremost, I'm a gamer. I'm going to play the games where I play them. I have no. I have no dog in console wars. I am an equal opportunity gamer. I will go where the games are. I'm going to get a PS5 this fall. I'm going to pick up a Switch at some point. And then between PC, PS5, and Switch, I have access to every possible game released because they'll be there. So, you know, I think exclusives are a little dated, but, you know, it's it's the it's business in general. So I I'm hoping for a more... Uh, level and competitive gaming field in the future, but one that respects the consumers as much as they want to do the business. Yeah. So we've kind of talked for quite a while there. I might have to release, <laughs> I might have to release this separately as it's kind of its own little bonus thing because there's just, there was so much good stuff in there, but uh, it was 
uh, it was genuinely really nice to hear a another opinion, especially opinion that is pretty opposite uh, to my own and to Brenna's as well. So it was great having you on. It was a lot of fun talking, and uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I'm glad that you're you're willing to let me come on and kind of put out a, a different perspective to see if uh, if I could see if if there was anything that I could say that helped kind of make you guys feel better about kind of what's going on because I, I felt the frustration when I was listening to the episode and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I feel like there's something I could say to make you guys feel a little a little bit better about some of the things that are going on in the hopes that, you know, at the end of the day, I hope that this that this resolves and that it's just better for gamers and for developers and we can leave the, the big companies to throw their their billions of dollars at each other in the courtroom. Yep. yep. Wholeheartedly agree. Well said. Well, Captain Logan, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what you got going on with Keeled Hold, your podcast, uh, anything else you might have going on stream-wise, and then uh, where people can find you in the interverse. Uh, best way to find me, honestly, is probably going to be Twitter. I, I troll Twitter more than I tr troll any other place. Uh, so at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. Uh, as far as streaming goes, I stream intermittently uh, different games. So I've been I've been jumping into the Batman series on Xbox because I've, I've never played those. And I feel like a bad Batman fan as a result. Uh, and Keelhauld Kiel is just uh, doing its its normal rounds. We got a, a new update, a couple events going on this week. So uh, feel free to, to listen to Keelhauled. It's in the Robots Radio Network. Uh, so if you head over to robotsradio.net, not only will you find this show, but you'll also find my show and a bunch of other great uh, partners as well, too. Awesome. Awesome. And then your podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. Yes, including uh, soon to be Amazon and Audible, because uh, I just got those emails. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, awesome, man. Again, it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming back. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.